Welcome to Innovation Alchemy with the Adams. We're your hosts, Adam Fry. And I'm Adam Castle. And we're here to bring you the transformational tools that you need to bring your ideas into impact. Here's the thing, folks. We could not be more excited to bring you the insights we've learned from working with hundreds of companies of all sizes, from startups to unicorns and everything in between. Today's episode is the first in our three-part arc on startup sales. Find out who broke Young Castle's heart, and can Adam Castle get a hashtag to trend? Adam Fry goes all beautiful mind on the whiteboard. We say the word excited 600 times, and we lead a sing-along titled Iteration is Fun. But it wasn't all vaudeville stand-up. What did we get into, Adam? Well, in the first half of this podcast, we give you the tools that you need to define your customer and get to product market fit. And in the second half, we give you a tangible seven-step guide to creating your first ever sales process. That sounds pretty exciting to me. Enjoy. Today, we're going to be breaking down the myths, tips, key performance indicators, and systems that we believe early startups should employ to maximize their effort in sales. And man, are we ever excited about this one. This is a good one. This could be a 20,000-part podcast. (laughs) We have so much to say about it. We're going to try and keep it a little bit more concise. And first, as I like to do... I think we're going to start with a story today, Adam. You do enjoy storytelling. Have Every you, morning I'm blessed with a nice story from you. It's really I mean, good. they're not always true, but this one happens That's to okay. be. Fables are just as useful. Absolutely. So, Adam, have you ever heard of a chap named Elias St. Elmo Lewis? I mean, I'm sure you're going to tell me all about him. I am. Now, much in the way that you are the great-great-grandfather of social innovation, <laughs> Elias was the great-great-grandfather of what we're going to call the funnel. Uh, and so the idea is that in, in 1896 Philadelphia, after working in the sales game for many years, selling typewriters, selling dry goods, selling a whole bunch of different things, uh, Lewis ended up starting his own agency called the Ad Agency. Oh. Uh, yeah, maybe not the most creative name, but it, it really got straight to the point. And it was in this role as founder and ad man that he came up with the foundational blocks that made up most sales engines created in the last hundred years. And the acronym, of course, is AIDA, A-I-D-A, which stands for Attention, Interest, Desire, Action. And when the Salesforce world sort of got their hands on these principles, uh, they were able to use it to visually show the number of prospective purchases over time. And and when you put that on a paper, you line it out on a whiteboard as you l- tend do, to do. I do love a good whiteboard. What that looks like is a funnel. Yeah. And so what we've done is uh, we've sort of put together uh, for today this idea that the funnel was where we all started. Uh, and and what we want to do is show the world where we're going next in, in sort of the sales world. I think the beauty of, of what we're going to try to do today is we're going to take this um, from the, the early early stage sales lens. So Today's podcast is about if you're, you know, you've, you've got your business going a little bit or you're trying to get that first sale or your first 10 sales. How do you set this process up? How do we overlay what, what Lewis was working on and, and what he designed? How do we sort of create some of these processes? What's changed over time? And then getting really tangible about what are the things you need to measure? How do you build these processes? Um, and then how do you get out there and get that first sale? Absolutely. So, to start with that, to start with where we want to be, which is our first sale as a, as a startup, 
we have to really start with who the heck we're going to sell to. I mean, it's an important part, right? It, it certainly um, is, yeah. And the, there's two things here. I, I think two points right at the outset that we, we have to make. The first one is whether or not you view yourself as the salesperson, if you're a founder of a startup and you're just getting going, you need to do this part yourself at some point. So it, you need to be the one going out getting that first sale because you need to know who your customers are. You need to interact with them. You have to know what their triggers are to buy. You have to understand their pain. Like all of this needs to be done. You can't just sit behind the desk and hire a bunch of people to go do these things. In the early stages, you need to do this. But if I'm a startup mm. and I've got the best product in the world, <laughs> as we all do, yeah. won't the sales just happen? They'll just happen, man. It's They're organic. just gonna, it sells itself, really, it does. right? It does, we'll is just that, get a landing page and away we go. So this sort of brings up a good point, which is a lot of these myths that we get from, uh, from working with startups, from working with biz bigger businesses, who have all of these sort of predefined or preconceived notions about how the process of sales is either going to happen or if it doesn't, then what next? How do I, how do I break past these walls? And, yeah. and the truth is you're going to hear a lot more no's than you do yeses. Uh, and, and something that we teach all of our startups is that those no's are every single bit as valuable as a yes, because it still gives you really valuable information about your customer, about the segments you should be looking at, and about where your product fits best. And so that that sort of comes to this idea of a product market fit. And yeah. it's not just a buzzword, right? No. And, and remember, like, this is a, a human process, right? And, and something you just alluded to is, you know, you're a human being selling to other human beings. When you hire humans, they're going to be selling to other humans on your behalf. Like, the more that we can get into this idea that sales can be human, the better off we're going to be, the more sustainable we're going to be. That's how it's going to work. So when you start looking at product market fit and defining your customer, which is really where we're headed here to get started, um, it's all about remember that, you know, it's easy to say you've got companies and buyers and users and, and just try your best to humanize all these people as best you can and, and try to empathize with who they are and where they live and what their challenges are and what their problems are. Because if you don't, you're going to swing and miss more than you're going to hit. That sounds a little bit like design thinking yeah, a little frameworks, bit. A little maybe, bit maybe just a bit bleeding in. Yeah. So another quick story, 13 year old Adam professes oh. his love uh, to uh, a girl. I won't mention her name, Mary reader. You broke my heart, but anyways, and, and gets rejected. Rejection is this really fundamental fear that humans have. But what happens is once you experience it and you get comfortable with it, it becomes to not matter. And, and I feel like sales is the same way, especially if I'm a founder, if I'm really, really strong technically, maybe I'm not the best at talking with people or maybe I'm not the best at connecting with folks. And, and what we're saying is it doesn't matter. You still have to go out there and try. You still have to take your shots because you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, which I, I Michael think- Michael Scott, I think. Uh, yeah, it was either Michael Scott or, or Jordan B. Anthony, one of those. Uh, but it's super important that you still go out and try uh, because, because learning the skills of how to bounce back from rejection is something that gets very, very, very important as you move through your sales pipeline. Well, and the the anxiety when the anxiety starts to go away. So, like what you're saying, when when that wall you sort of climb over it, you actually that's when the learning kind of starts, right? So yep. once you've failed enough times that you're not anxious to pick up the phone and call somebody, then you can really start to understand. Okay, where did I miss? Why why was this person not a good fit? What did I get wrong about my buyer persona? What did I get wrong about my end user persona? And how can I make that better? How what can I send to marketing to get 
into our marketing so that these folks understand what we do a little bit better. But if you're picking up the phone and, and you know, you're terrified to fail, you're never going to be able to get through that wall and, and start to get these really in-depth learnings that Absolutely. you're going you're gonna to need to have. So, so part one is get yourself some exposure therapy, get yeah. out there and get, get rejected. Uh, it really helps without that process. Um, and then next is, is figuring out who those customers are that you really need to find. And um, in our alchemy section today, we're going to really dive into how do you put together that first process mm-hmm. right now? And and what I'd like to focus on a little bit is the ways that we can segment people so that we can really define who they are yeah. uh, and what sort of drives them. So there's probably three. Um, and the way that I, I like to say this to early startups, and this is sort of widely used, is you want to look at three different personas. What are the companies you're selling to if you're B2B, right? So what are the companies? Who's the buyer inside of that organization? And then who's the end user? And now um, at the end of the day, everybody's unique. Everybody's sales process is going to be different. Everybody's business model is going to be different. So if you simply just have an end user that you're selling to, that's fine. We're going to show you how to map that user persona out. Yep. But if you are doing some B2B sales and you're, you're looking for something, you need to be able to segment it into company, buyer, user. I think that's really important. Oh, for sure. Uh, and I think with within those three categories uh, are four really key pillars that you want to look at for each of those different types of people. Mm-hmm. So the geographics of it, where they're located or where you can find them. Uh, and that that becomes super important when you look to online sales, uh, because there's all of these different communities out there that we can niche down into that actually makes sales online or sales in general now so much more tangible. It's such a, an actionable process because you can get really, really specific into who you're looking for. Demographic, of course, so who they are, their age, gender, occupation, income level. These are sort of markers that that you're able to define really, really well within customer segments. uh, And that really helps. And and you can do this too at every level, right? There's the types of businesses you're after, where they're located, um, and sort of what maturity they're at, that kind of thing. Um, And then, of course, the behavioral aspect of this. What do your customers do that make them unique? What makes them tick? What are they doing that that are uh, some like really distinctive things that you can tap into uh, so that you can meet them where they are sort of in their journeys, right? So the behavioral. And then finally is the psychographic. So how are they making their decisions? What are the things that they like? What are the things that they've experienced? What are the things that make them unique individuals in a separate group that you can, again, can tap into to really put a point and define what it is or who it is that you're looking for to make these sales? Yeah, exactly. So when we're when we're looking at our, our end users, which is usually who you're building most of this stuff for, right? Like when you're defining your buyer, defining the company, you're understanding those types of needs, you know, you can understand how this helps an organization, right? You can understand what companies would want to buy what you're selling for specific reasons. But what you're talking about, when you get down into the nitty gritty of the user itself, um, I, that's why I love the, those four pillars. But you can even you can make it even as simple as um, there, there's a, a sort of a three part piece here where they Chris Yeh sort of defines it as frequency, density, and friction, right? So, you know, frequency describing the amount of time during the day you encounter this problem that my product aims to solve. So how often are you actually having this problem? That helps me sanity check 
man, am I actually solving the problem this person yeah, has? Have I created something only, that's going to be... Yeah, if it's only for five minutes a day and it's really not that big a deal, how on earth are you going to pay me every month exactly. to do this? Right? Where's so the, the value then, right? Yeah, frequency is important. So density then describes the time and the effort spent inside of the problem. So how deeply does this impact somebody's day and how much is it a challenge for them? And I mean, even at the company and the buyer level, they probably see these challenges or hear about it in terms of density. But the user itself, if this is something that goes across all spectrums of what I do each and every day, man, you've got some some density there. It's going to be really important. And the final part is is friction, and that's just the level of pain that this causes you in general, sure, right? Yeah. So if you're if you're showing somebody uh, your minimum viable product, if you're showing somebody the product that you've created that you'd like to sell to them, and their eyes pop, and you see them go, "Oh my god, I have to have this." you know that you're reducing a ton of friction in their day. You know that that's really, really for sure. important for them. And what's really important with that third point too is that friction friction transposes itself into the sales process as well. And so what people are going to see in, in the second episode of this arc uh, is really a focus on how we eliminate friction in the buying process. Mm -hmm. So now we've considered a whole bunch of different things about the customer, mm -hmm. what they like, where they're at, where we can find them. How do we know when we've actually found a product market fit? Yeah, so it, this is a really interesting question because it depends on what phase you're actually at in your sales process, right? But what I would say is once you've taken a stab at mapping out what companies you're going to be selling to, what buyers you're going to be selling to, what's that end user? And then you can run a couple of tests like we talked about in our last podcast. You want to run a couple of quick experiments that we want to do what we say. You want to kind of validate these channels, right? So like yeah. you, like we talked about before build your landing page and see if you can get some folks to sign on. Yep. Make a few phone calls and talk to your customers. Once you have people telling you, yes, I need this, once you know that you've reduced friction, once you know that you've got density in a challenge, once you know that people are going to use this more than once a day and you're consistently having people tell you that, that's when you know you've got at least your first iteration of your product market fit there. And I think that's a really important point is mm -hmm. as we go through defining this in the alchemy portion of this next what you want to remember is we're going to continuously update your sales process. This is something that's living. So your product market fit, your customer journey, your buyer personas, all this kind of stuff, it's going to change over time and it's going to consistently be changing. There's so an evolution for sure. What you really want to know, I mean, when you're further along, there there is a bit of a formula to it once you start to track a little bit of these data points. And typically what they say, if you divide what they call the lifetime value by your cost of acquisition, and that number is around three, mm -hmm. that's how you sort of know you've got the product market fit. I mean, we'll get into that. That's definitely something we'll need to talk to. But from the early stage, if I'm an early stage startup get, trying to get my first sale, my 10th sale. Really what we want to do is take a stab at defining the company, the buyer, the user, and using your four pillars in the user persona portion of it, and then understanding frequency, density, and friction. Once you've got that all out on paper, go talk to a whole bunch of people that you hope are going to use this. And then once you get that validation back from them, you kind of know that you've got this early product market fit that you're going to go after. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I think something really important to note here is that you're probably gonna be wrong. Yeah, this is, you're definitely gonna be wrong. The first like three There's to no five doubt. times you take a stab at yeah. this, you're 100% going to be wrong. And that's that's part of the process you're supposed to be. Um, I, I can't think of a single product or business that's ever been right the very first time in terms of exactly who ends up being the end user. And there's also something in tech too where the idea behind you know your early adopters 
are not going to be necessarily who you end up with. And that's something I'm really excited to get mm. into uh, for the alchemy portion of this episode, because I think that there's some really great indicators that we can talk to in terms of defining the difference between customers that are going to be ride or die, uh, yeah, which with, I don't know if this. I, yeah, can I say that? I, I think, don't know. Maybe. I think ride or die customers is a, a hashtag ride or die customers. Oh, Everyone no. use it it's from now on. Trend. Uh, I think it might. Uh. Uh, and and then the difference between them uh, with your early adopters and, and what the expectations are. Uh, from both level of customer two is very, very different. Yeah, absolutely. So so go through this part, define out all these things, understand your company, your buyer, your user, get their demographics, understand uh, what we talk about when we talk about frequency, density, and friction. And then at the end of the day, go and talk to who you think your customer is and show it to them, hand it to them and ask them, am I right about this? Am I going to help you in this way? Would this product actually help you? Absolutely. If their eyes aren't popping, then ask them why. Dive a little deeper. This is all about empathy and understanding what your buyer's needs are, Absolutely. what your user's needs are, what the company you're selling to's needs are. So let's get right into the nitty gritty of it and really just try to understand that from a human-centered lens. What is it that I'm solving for you? And talk to people. Go talk to people as much as you possibly can. Pause right now. Go talk to go, people. Yeah, go talk to 10 uh, people right now. And you know what? I was going to save this for a second segment, but I think it really fits here. And go for this it. idea that um, get your Googles out uh, and check out a customer segment canvas. There's yeah, I think that's a million, great way to do it. Yeah. Uh, different templates that you can look up online. Uh, but what it, down is it, what it does for you is that it helps you to break down what you offer, what your product creates in value, the pain points your product relieves, and then it matches it directly with your assumptions of what your customer needs, the pain they're experiencing, and the jobs they have to actively do currently before having your product to benefit their life. And I, I think it goes back to those three points that you yeah. mentioned as well, uh, almost identically. And, exactly. and that's perfect, right? Because we've got these really great maps that we can use for this. Um, and so check that out right now. Yeah, we've got it in the toolkit for you. So, or in the toolbox for you, my It apologies. is in the Alchemy Toolbox, yeah, which... I don't want to get too much ahead of ourselves. <laughs> what we're going to do is take a quick break. And when we come back, we're really going to dive into how to map this out, both uh, your customer segments, figuring out who you're selling to, and then the how. How do you get that first sale? And how do you set up some KPIs, some key performance indicators that are going to let you know that you're going in the right direction? Fantastic. Awesome. We'll see everyone right after this. Dun, 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 dun. This episode brought to you by the WeTech Alliance Innovation Alchemy Toolbox. When all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Expand your abilities exponentially by checking out the sweet, sweet knowledge we've curated at wetech-alliance.com slash podcast. Click on the Alchemy Toolbox button and enjoy. Welcome back to Innovation Alchemy. I'm Adam Fry. And I'm Adam Castle. And we're excited about getting into the alchemy of early stage startup sales. You know what I've noticed? We say that we're excited before every segment, at the beginning of every podcast. I've, and you know what's crazy? We just love everything about all I, of this. I have yet to not There's be excited to talk to you, pal. unbridled enthusiasm. I mean, this is what it's like to work here. Days. We just come in and we just talk about interesting stuff this all This is day. what it's like to be a client as well. It must be yeah. absolutely <laughs> exhausting to sit across. Oh, it's just, well, let's dive in. Why don't we dive in for the people Absolutely. here? So what we want to do now. So in the, in the first segment of, uh, of this podcast, what we went through was how do you actually sort of start to define who your first buyers are going to be? How do you actually go through research that? What are the things you need to know about them before you go out and talk to them and understand how your product's going to help them? So 
What we want to do now is get into the tangible alchemy of creating the early stage sales process. Absolutely. Okay. So we've got seven steps here aligned with tools. Then we're going to get into some of the KPIs or key performance indicators to know whether or not your sales process is healthy. Excellent. So this is a complicated process. It is. It's not simple. It's not simple, but it is easy to do. Yes. Now, these seven steps we've distilled down from a, a rather complicated process. Yeah, I think the, the key for early stage um, sales is let, let's keep this as simple as possible. Let's talk to as many humans as possible. Let's just make sure we really understand how this works. So Excellent. why don't I dive into point one and we'll see how we go. Okay, so ever. number one, what we want to do, and I am so biased this way, we're going to use a whiteboard, okay? Oh my God, here <laughs> we go again, the so whiteboards. We're going to use a whiteboard and we're going to map out the user journey, the buyer journey, the company journey, whichever core element we're going to be looking at. Um, and we're going to be focusing specifically on outcomes of using your product or service. And what we're trying to do here is gain empathy with the buyers and users. So again, the goal here is we want to map this piece out and it should highlight what your initial messages should be. And if at all possible, validate this through interviews with people in those specific roles. So if you don't actually go out and validate and you don't go and talk to some of these mm -hmm. customers about what you're thinking in terms of key messages, in terms of how they're going to use it, when in their day they're going to use it, what their journey is, right. you're going to learn really quick through trial by fire. Because when you start to try to sell to somebody and they go, this makes absolutely no sense. It won't fit in my day. doesn't reduce any friction for me. None of this actually works. It means you probably didn't spend enough time mapping out what that actual journey is, using your product, learning about your product, how it solves a problem for them. Those are all really great points, uh, but I have to interject. If I'm not a scientist from 1927 oh, come on. and I don't want to use a whiteboard to completely beautiful mind myself all over the place, uh, there's a couple tools that I really like to use. So the first is OneNote, mm -hmm. uh, which comes in any Office 365 suite. I've turned that into my go-to for every idea I think I've ever had yeah, in the I last sort of seven one. years. Yeah. It's a bit of a problem. Um, but what's really great is you can section off things multiple, multiple times. So you can have notebooks. Those notebooks can have individual chapters. Those chapters chapters can individual pages. And so it really helps me especially, uh, and I know there's lots of people out there that are the same, uh, to really distill exactly what it is that I'm trying to solve with each and every individual problem. Uh, and so I think that really helps. The other piece is that there's a, there's a great piece of technology called Trello mm -hmm. uh, that does a really good job at letting you sort of sketch things live and share with your team. And, and we always encourage that you're doing this not in a silo, but with other people. So two really great tools that people can use there. Absolutely. So that's step one. So let's map out the user journey, the buyer journey, and the company, company journey. Let's learn as much as we can about those folks empathize with the challenges they're going through and design some key messages. Okay, step two then, we're gonna take a deeper dive. We wanna understand where these people live online and offline. When in their day does it make sense to talk to them? Are you gonna get them on the phone? Are they active on LinkedIn? Is there gonna be an email process here? And so the goal really is, and we keep saying this in this podcast, but you have to go talk to some of these folks about their day. Absolutely, and, and this may sound like a, a near impossible task. How mm. do I get so inside the head of these potential customers. And it, and for me, it always comes down uh, to that one pillar that I talked about, the psychographic pillar. How do we figure out what makes people tick? And how you can do that is you go back to what a value system is. Everyone has them. They're created since birth and we're sort of shaped in this way. So look at the value systems of your customers and follow that towards behavior. Follow that towards demographic, towards geographic. You're gonna find out who and where and what they like and do 
by looking at how they think the way they think. So really get into that value system of your customers and that's going to lead you down a path to find them wherever the heck they are. And remember, again, this is iterative. So you're going to take a stab at this. And right now, what we're talking about is laying out your first ever sales process, right? So as we go through this, as you start talking to customers, as you get more and you get to interview them, you're going to get better and better and better and better at this. So, So step one is mapping out the journey. Step two is taking a deeper dive to try to understand where these folks live. So step three then becomes creating a CRM. And essentially what we're looking to do here with the cost of the technology being so low right now, we actually highly recommend you get comfortable with a good one relatively early. Absolutely. this can be definitely be a trap. So I want people to be careful. In my early sales days, I went through CRM after CRM after CRM. The time that I was wasting creating CRMs, updating properties, yeah. changing deal flows could have been so much more useful going and actually talking to people and trying to sell to them. So while we totally recommend, and the, mm-hmm. the recommendation here is key, is go and get a CRM, get comfortable with one early. What you want to remember is action is always better than more planning at this point, okay? Okay. Don't spend an insane amount of time redefining, updating, changing, switching CRMs because things are going to shift rapidly. So get one that you like. Again, we we always recommend HubSpot. They give you the the first year at an extreme discount. It ties a lot of things in further down the road that we're going to get into. So when you're comfortable with it, it becomes a powerful tool. But in this early stage, the reason I like it is it gamifies a lot of this process for you and it makes it really intuitive and easy to use. So Step three, go get a CRM, start to update some of it. Fantastic. And and HubSpot is a really great resource. Uh, We actually have a a partnership with them that gives you 90% off your first year, Mm -hmm. uh, 50% off your second. We have countless clients that have used it. And uh, we actually also use it to manage our clients as well. We know how successful this can be um, and that it really transforms the way you do things. So something really key to consider is that as this early startup, you don't have a lot of time. You're building a product, you're managing your sales, you're doing your marketing. You're figuring out all this stuff about your customers. So you really want to find efficiency where you can. HubSpot does that really well. HubSpot also in their infinite wisdom has provided us with a really great Excel sheet. So it's an Mm -hmm. early stage CRM that when you're through with it, you can easily upload it. And when you're ready to pay, you just upload it into HubSpot itself. So even if you're looking to start from absolute ground zero on a CRM, HubSpot's got a really great tool for you that allows you to track things in a great way and then import when you're ready. Yeah. And again, this is all about comfort level, right, folks? So when you're taking a look at doing this part, if you're if you're just saying this this software is too overwhelming for me, I don't I don't want to test this technology, that HubSpot sheet is fantastic. It gives you the ability to have a mini CRM before you have a real CRM. Exactly. And that's all we're trying to say here is the importance of a CRM is to be able to track things and understand where things break and understand sort of your measurables and your metrics and what your mindset is. So make sure you've got something in that realm of thought that you've created that you're using in this early stage. So what's our next step, Adam? So step four, we want to take the messaging from step one and two, and we want to actually overlay what we call a simple deal flow into the CRM itself. I know it's a lot of jargon, wasn't it? Stand back. Oh my gosh. Buzz word alerts. I'm sorry. What in God's name is a deal flow? Yeah. So essentially what we want to do is we want to take all the steps that we're going to take to 
try to reach out to our customers. When we understand where they live, we understand how we're going to reach out to them. If they're on LinkedIn a lot, if they definitely pick up the phone, if we have their email, we want to know what steps we're going to take to reach out to them and actually overlay that into the CRM in a really simple way so that you can track number one, how many people have I reached out to, right? What are my prospects essentially? And then once we've reached out to them, if they've responded, you can simply move them over into the next column. So you know the priorities of the deals that you're trying to, to, to close. So it sounds like these systems are really going to help us as we start to set up our key performance indicators. That's right. Yep. And we're going to get to that in a second. But the core value of this is if you can overlay what we call this deal flow or the touch points you're going to have with a customer along your anticipated buyer journey, then what you're going to be able to do every morning, let's say you've only got, like you said, you're working on every element of your business. If you've only got four hours today to do sales or two hours today to do sales, you know, you're going to start with your highest priority leads because they're further along your deal flow, yep. right? So as you're sort of, and, and again, HubSpot gamifies it. So as you sort of drag your, your contacts and your deals down further in your deal flow, you know who you want to follow up with first and where they're at. But more importantly, you're going to understand what's working really well and what's not, how much revenue you've potentially got coming up. Yep. There's all kinds of really powerful things that you can track and understand if you simply put the points that you want to interact with people literally almost like on a map, like here are the steps that I want to take yeah, before I sure. think I'm going to close this deal. Again, it's going to change. We know that, but Absolutely. we have to put our first stab down that we took from steps one and steps two. Yep. Oh, for sure. And I, and I think too, it's important to note that um, there are things that that won't change with that deal flow, yeah. right? You're, you're going to want to bring people in at a certain point. Yep. You're going to want to graduate them into full buyers or sales at a certain point as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, keeping, uh, keeping some true north metrics in mind as we do this yep. um, is really going to help you as you evolve it too. Yeah. And understanding where they fall out. Where are we really bad in our sales process? And where are we really good? Where are we losing all these deals? Where's the hump? Yeah. yeah do what, I have a, what's taking our, so yeah. long in certain places? Is it after our demos? Like, cause that's part of the deal flow. Is it when we send our second email out, it's not very effective. Is it the phone call? Do I need to practice my phone calling a little bit or my LinkedIn message is yeah. not working? Like you get to really see where everybody's at and then how much value and revenue you have at different stages in your deal flow. Such an important point and, and something to always keep in mind is how do I break down what I'm doing so that A, I can operationalize it, right? I can turn Mm -hmm. it into a habitable process that I can continue to look at uh, because really at the end of the day, when you track things carefully, you're then able to improve on them. If you're not tracking it, you can improve because you have no idea where you're starting out. So super, super important. Yeah. And this is something our clients all the time have challenges with is they've never designed a sales process. They don't understand what the word deal flow means, Right. right? All this jargon that we use. And usually when we sit down with them and we say, okay, just talk to us about how you're going to reach out to your customer, how your customer is going to find out about you. Right. And then we just create a system. Like it's just systematic and you can draw, literally draw it in a flow chart. You don't have to use a whiteboard if you want to, but essentially you just want to make sure you understand how you're going to reach out to people and you put a system in place to do so. I think you're so right. And, and in that idea that customers or clients rather of ours, uh, don't always know how to create a a process first. And I think that's so important is because Mm -hmm. everything in a business, everything in a startup can turn into a process. And those processes are really what drives you forward. It's really what allows you to unlock uh, scalability, right? Yeah. So Um, make sure you take the minute to work on your business and, and map this out. But as soon as it's done, 
Once this is mapped, you go try it. Like remember all the time, action's always better than more planning. Plan this until you've got the first set of this done and then go try it. Figure go out where it breaks, it. where Figure it's not going to break. Yeah. Because realistically, you're at the beginning part of this. You're not going to get this right. So exactly. let's just go try it and yep. see where it breaks. Let's and where figure it, it out. Awesome. Our next step. Okay, so now essentially what we've got is we've understood the user journey um, all the way across. We've done a deeper dive to understand where, where we're likely to actually meet them, where we're actually likely to get a hold of them. We've created a CRM so we can track things. We've overlaid that deal flow onto the sick CRM. Deal flow it's really good. Yes, yeah, sick deal flow. And then now what we're gonna do, what I want to do is create the content for each touch point. And really what you want to do here is lean on, you probably don't have a marketing person, but maybe a marketing agency, maybe your venture success team member, right? You remember from the earlier pods, Absolutely. that person that's helping you, that you're parachuting in here to create your materials, your videos, and, and what might some of those be on? Well, this is actually the favorite, one of my favorite parts of, of working with clients is setting up the content that they get to use uh, for this process because there's so much creativity that can go into it uh, and there's such a great way to gamify it. Uh, and so one of the first things I do is I always send them over to Vidyard. Vidyard is a really great way for you to show off your product, for you to figure out how to best present what it is you're selling and connect with a, a number of Yeah, it's creating a custom email video, which is just brilliant. It's, it's a fun way for people to connect with your brand especially oh, sure. if you've got this um, you know, really friendly brand, right? If that's what you're trying to get across. Yeah, for sure. Next is, is white papers. And, and what I mean by white paper is not, you need a PhD in order to do this. You need to get a PhD in order to do this. What I'm looking at is get some testimonials, get some feedback, validate your claims, make sure that you're putting, that your your product does what it's supposed to do and, and how you've helped individuals, right? It's a really formal way of, of communicating something important about that product. And remember, this is something where you're providing value. You're saying, I'm telling you that we've done this because we've done it with somebody else. Exactly. So usually you can use this with your, when you've gone through your MVP development, when you put demos in, if you've given somebody a free trial of for something, make sure you trade that testimonial back or that impact report, right? This, this comes in when you're talking about, here's a quick two pager on how I know that I can help you. It looks beautiful. For sure. It's got the key points in yeah. there. It's how I am going to help you with my product. And I know I can because I've done it before. Exactly. This is what you want to make into a beautiful infographic. You want to make sure that the percentages and the numbers, everything sort of lines up so that people know you mean business. This is a serious product. You're not just a startup. You're here to change the game. And that's really what we're talking to here in every single person that's listening. We know that you're here to change the game and this is the way that you're going to do it. And, and so as a piece of this, I think what's really important to, to point out is that there's all of these really great psychological tricks that you can tap into in order to make all of your content super high converting. So Look up right now. We'll wait. We'll put uh, it in the toolbox for you after we'll as well. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, is making sure that you have a CTA that's really strong, which is a call to action. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that, that promotes a lot of urgency in the sale. It's something that can get people to click buttons. It's something that can get people, uh, you know, more invested, get some skin in the game when it comes to your your product. Um, and then from there, what it what it is 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 taking a look at all of the language that you use. Is it designed specifically to make people feel a certain way? Is it designed to promote trust in your product and company? All of those things are really important considerations, and it's all been done. You don't have to invent 
anything here, right. which is something we always love. We always say like, why are we creating something when it's already been done before and we can use best practices? Ugh, I hate that word. But when we can use what's worked before in order to make it better for whoever's going to use it next. I think this point really speaks to the the next type of piece of content you're looking for, which a lot of folks like to start with these pre-templated emails, right? Um, or LinkedIn reach out messages yep. and things of that nature. Um, and the reason why they do it is because we like to measure whether or not people are going to open it. And if we have these baselines for templates, then we can do it. For sure. Totally fine. And we have certain types of emails that we like to use. We'll definitely make sure that we share those with you as well. But the key to all of those types of templates, even if you're using your Vidyard emails, even if you're going through and you've got your white paper, you've done some research on your customers, LinkedIn, email, voicemail, doesn't matter. What we want to remember here is these are human beings. Do your research up front. I yep. know it takes a little bit of extra time, but in the early days, you've got a little bit of that extra time. Yep. So go on LinkedIn, understand what successes these people have had, what they do, what they do in their job, what they do in their leisure time, research them, understand them, and then congratulate them, add value to their day. That's the crux of this whole thing is, can we prove to them that not only am I not creepy by emailing you out of the yeah. blue, but... I'm providing value to your day, not just in saying I have a product to sell you, but here are some things that maybe you're missing about what you do in your job or congratulations on getting something, something along those lines Absolutely. that's going to allow you to connect with them on a human level. So make sure when you're, even when you're templating things out, there's a big chunk of your sentence in your email that says insert human piece here. Yep. So here's the crux of it, if you will. You ready for this? Is that real recognizes real. And so when you hear about authenticity being this driver in sales now, being this driver in content, we're not talking about hand-holding every single person that you ever talk to. It's impossible because you're gonna scale this up. But what it means is that as you connect with people, as you send out this content, make sure that you're putting on that human's lens, you're reaching out to them because they have problems, they have fears, they have urgent issues that you're gonna take care of, you're gonna address through your product. And so hit on that emotional side of things that you're gonna make their life better because you know you can, because you've got a product that you've designed specifically to alleviate a really big pain point that you and, discovered. And you validated that. Like, like what we talked about in the first half of the podcast is understanding who these folks are. How often the frequency which, with which these folks have the challenge that your solution actually solves for them exactly. every single day. Density, how much time and effort do they spend on the problem? And friction, the level of pain this problem causes you. Those are all human things. Those are all things that if you did your due diligence on the front part to get product market fit and defining your customer, now you can bring them forward here. This is where this is going to pay off. Exactly. Bring it forward. Put it into your email templates. Put it into your LinkedIn request. Hey, I know that you probably have this problem 50 times a day because I've done the research and I understand people have this problem 50 times a day. So let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. What are the first two letters of the alphabet? A, B. A, B. Yeah. A, B is so important. I almost swore. That's how important <laughs> it is. It is so important because A, B represents a type of testing that you can do. And you've mm -hmm. probably heard of it. It's a feature that's available on tools from Vidyard to tools like MailChimp to tools like Constant Contact. And what you're able to do with an A-B test is send to very like individuals, the same segments that you're going to target. And you're going to change things up just a bit. You're going to change things up like what happens when they read a different kind of headline or a different kind of, of mail um, subject, uh, line. subject line. Thank you so much. Uh, what happens when you change up where the button is in this email? Mm -hmm. What happens when you change up your CTA, your call to action? All of those things, because it's an iterative process, you can test. They make it so easy for you to test and that's so 
absolutely crucial to moving this process forward and iterating for the good. And I'm really glad you brought that up because this is something we talk to clients about all the time in the very, very early stages of their sales processes. When you're sending out these first batches of emails and LinkedIn requests and voicemails and however else you're going to reach out to these folks, whatever works best for them, because you've discovered that it's really important to do it in batches, right? So you, you want to, you don't want to throw all your eggs in one basket and reach out to, let's say 4,000 people contact, that you've, every person, yeah, every you've, person ever you've ever met. You want to do this in batches to see what works and what doesn't. Absolutely. So you're going to get some champions. You're going to get some folks that are going to really help you out. Um, but as you like to tell stories, I have a very quick one here and I know we're up against it for the people, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So um, in the early days of textbooks for change, we were testing all of this stuff. We were trying to get as many libraries across the province of Ontario to put drop boxes in it as possible. And one of the theories that I had was if I reached out to every single person at a small college, yeah. that they would at least give me the, I would get a whole bunch of contacts back for who I should actually reach out right. to. So I used this, uh, this very simple email that had worked at a lot of spoke. I was intentional to do it at a very small college. There was mm -hmm. only like 4,000 right, faculty right. members or something like that. Sent it out to all of them on the same day. They all forwarded it to the same librarian. Cool. I got a call from the librarian within five minutes saying, stop sending this to people. Please stop sending the same email with a different name to the same people. You will never have a Dropbox here. <laughs> this is never going to work. So the concept's really simple. If you're doing this all at once and you're just throwing stuff out there without thought and process and yeah. how this is going to affect people, do it in small patches. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Please it, do it, in it small helps patches. you change your tact, right? And, and not waste potential really good leads. Absolutely. So let's bring this back. So now what we've got is we've got our user journey and our buyer journey. We've taken a deeper dive to understand where they live, how we're going to get a hold of them. We signed up for a CRM, so we understood the technology of how we're going to track all this stuff. We overlaid and created a simple deal flow, and then we created the content that's going to go into each one of those touch points in our deal flow. Excellent. And now it's time for maybe the most fun any startup founder's ever going to have prospecting. Oh, it's time yay. to mine those leads, people. You do not have an inbound engine at this point. Odds are very, very good Absolutely that maybe not. you've got a handful that are coming through. And that's great. That's part of your deal flow is these inbound sort of pieces. Um, but what you really need to do now is go out into the World Wide Web and understand and try to mine these leads, try to get the real details so that you can throw that into your prospects and throw it into your deal flow. Oh, for sure. And there are so many tools to do this. Tons. And what I'll say is don't waste your money. There's a lot of really great free ones too. And we're going to give you some cool information, right? I think it's cool anyways, mm -hmm. uh, information right now on, on how you can use these really great systems. So number one, LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you've met me on LinkedIn. You probably have. I have, you know, 9,000 contacts. Oh a pretty gosh. big deal. But anyways, um, but the point is, is that LinkedIn is this incredible tool where you can connect with people from all over the world. Um, and they're already there specifically for business reasons. They're trying to grow professionally. So they know that the way they connect on there is going to be in a, in a professional capacity. Um, and so there's some tools that really help your LinkedIn sort of uh, journey. So the one is the LinkedIn sales navigator, um, which is a paid service, uh, but it allows you to send messages to people who you have not connected with yet. Mm -hmm. That's really important because not everyone you send a connection to is going to accept you. So you can send this in mail. It gives you some credits um, that you get back if they reply, which is really cool. It yeah. gives you more incentive Again, to, reach out to, the, yeah, to reach out to the really perfect people or the right people there. The next is using a, a quick little tool that you can get on your Chrome uh, browser called Contact Out. And Contact Out will actually give you the email address people use to sign up for LinkedIn. 
really important when you look at your deal flow and your touch point pieces to figure out, okay, how am I going to adjust a cadence to talk to this person, not just on LinkedIn, but on email, give them a call. I'm going to get into their life because I really want to make this sale. And so on top of that, that point, uh, when you're doing this, what you want to remember is if you're only getting personal emails, there's lots of tools like email scrapers. Yep. You can usually go to, if you do even a quick Google search, there's a hundred of these ways to verify sure. emails at at uh at companies business yeah and, and really that's where you want to target oh, these folks sure. you don't really want to interrupt their personal lives so we're looking at yeah for sure can so I avoid get the LinkedIn? gmails and that's the right. and yeah. looks, exactly. um, but take a look at the the ones that end in their their work uh, domain uh two of those really great tools there quickly are rocket reach and zoom info uh, rocket reach is free and you can look up uh from major companies all over the world to smaller companies all over the world as well and zoom info is a really great tool uh and includes a free and a paid version to help you with those amazing sort of rich deal list uh, or the lead list that you're looking to create. And so the key here, and, and I think the, the important thing to tie back, the reason we created a CRM in the first place is to store all of this data. Exactly. So as you're creating, as you're prospecting, as you're mining leads, these are going into deals that you've created in your CRM, right? These are the people that you're going to be reaching out to. This is your prospect list. Yep. This is your, your opening sort of salvo that you're going to send things exactly. out. Exactly. So yeah. the goal is you want to take all this information and make sure it's really snugly placed inside the CRM. And what I like to do is I'll separate prospecting from actual time to reach out. Yep. So maybe you spend, you know, the, the five hours or, uh, or sometimes you want to hit a targeted list. So maybe you want to get a, a hundred new prospects into your pipeline yep. every single week. And then you spend a separate amount of time actually sending, actually this reaching out and making that. All right, Adam, baby, take us home. What is our last and seventh step? Okay. So. Uh, this might sound a little bit fluffy, but really the seventh step is after your 10th, your 50th and your hundred sales, remember you're refining this process, refine the content, refine the customer demographic, go through the whole darn process. Again, get your whiteboards out, start over and figure out exactly what this is. Because what's happened now is let's say you've got 10 sales. Those are 10 people now. Odds are one of them are probably a champion because they are an actual early user or early adopter for you. So what you want to do is actually reach out, talk to them. Why are you using our product? Yep. What do you love about it? Do you mind if we do a white paper? Can we do a quick video with you? We want to know how did we get a hold of you and how did that work really well? These people are open to talking about this stuff. There's no fear to actually reach out and oh, say, hey, sure. we really value you as a client yep. or as a customer. Would you mind giving us a little feedback so we can help more people like you? Exactly. Make sure you're doing that and yep. set it if you have to at target intervals. After my first 10 sales, I'm going to do a roundtable with my clients. Talk I'm going to, to call everybody. them all and talk yep. to them. After 50, we're going to do it again. After 100, we're going to do it again with our key user groups, the ones yep. that are actually using this. Because then as you refine these things and you get really good at it, your marketing becomes stronger. Your sales tools become stronger. Your email cadence becomes stronger. Your LinkedIn reach outs become stronger because these people are telling you what the heck to say. Exactly. What people are going to find in every system I think that we introduce throughout this podcast is that this is a crucial step in every single one of them, right? It goes right back to Lean Sales 101, Lean Methodology 101, is that at the end of the day, you're going to regroup and you're going to iterate. You're going to look at what's worked, what hasn't, and you're going to create something new from the ashes of what hasn't. Uh, and that's really important because everything evolves. 
everything. Your system should evolve, your business evolves, your products evolves. More importantly, your customers are evolving. And so you have to keep up with what they're doing. That's right. And and like we keep going back to this and I'm going to continue to go back to this in every single podcast we talk about. Business is human. Go and actually talk to the human beings. Don't just look at your data and say, oh, my AB split tests say I need to change the phrases to this or that. If you have a phone call with somebody and you sort of see their eyes pop or you hear their eyes pop, they're telling you that that's the thing you need to say to everyone, right? right? And this is a big reason why even in the early stages of of having a startup, I always recommend to people, make sure if you have a marketing and a salesperson, they sit together. Better yet, have your marketing person sit in on the the calls. Sorry, I almost swore I got so excited there. On the actual calls themselves, because that's the messaging that needs to go back into what the next customers are going to see and hear. Exactly. Talking to people always trumps looking at data, in my opinion. 100%. I could be 100% wrong. People might shred me for that, some of the data folks. But I always recommend if you're hearing the same thing over and over and over again from your customers about why they bought from you, your marketing people aren't on that call. Oh, sure. Tell them to update the stuff. I think it comes down to distilling the people yes. into data, right? Or into the, the feedback into data. And so um, at this point, it's almost like dead horse meat beating. Iterate, iterate, iterate. Yeah. iterate. We can't say it enough. Uh, and so that's uh, really important to the seven step process. So let me go through the seven steps one more time. We'll, we'll bring Please this do. back for the people. Okay. Step one, map out the user journey. So the goal here is to gain some empathy with your buyers and it should highlight your initial messaging. So what are the key things you need to say to people? What, remember, this goes back to our three pieces. What's the frequency they're going to use or how often they have the problem that your product's going to solve? The density, so how much time and effort are they going to spend inside the problem and the friction, the level of pain. So that's what this journey is all about is mapping out those pieces. Step two, take a deeper dive, understand where the people live online and offline. So Mm -hmm. how are you going to actually reach out to them? Just based on some customer interviews. Step three, get yourself a CRM, get comfortable with the technology. If you're going to grow your business, you're going to need to have one. You're going to need to learn how to use it. Use a cheap one. And remember, don't get trapped in the over planning part of this. Action is always better than more planning at this point. Step uh, four, overlay your messaging and your potential touch points into what we call a deal flow, which is just saying, here's how I'm going to reach out to people based on what I know about them. Step five, Create the content for each touch point, whether that's your email templates, whether mm-hmm. that's uh, a video using Vidyard, whether that's a white paper, it doesn't matter, whether it's a LinkedIn reach out. Just make sure you've actually content created the content that you've laid out over top of your for deal sure. flow. Step six, it's the time to prospect. This is where you get into the trenches. You actually find your buyers that you've never met before, and you put their data into the CRM to be used when you start your deal flow process. And then step seven, which is, I hope everyone's at home following along with this and saying it all together. Yeah, on three, on three, one, two, yeah. three, iterate. Yeah. Go back after your 10th, your 50th, your 100th. It doesn't matter. Even if after every single one sale, if you need to, if you've got champions, go talk to them, refine your content, refine the buying process. Okay. So that is your early stage starter kit to starting your, your sales process. Now there's a, a quick thing we need, we do need to talk about here. Is, well, I think there's two things. We okay. Need to talk go about ahead. Here. So the the first, uh, actually the second I'll start with is, is our KPIs. How yes. are we going to track this? How are we going to make sure that it's working? Mm-hmm. How do I know that it's working? Mm-hmm. Uh, and where am I going to track this and in, in what sort of process? But before that is there's a very important distinction that we have to talk about. And that is, I've got a new product. It's the most wonderful thing that's ever happened. My mom says so. Yeah. 
if your mom is your first customer, she's not your first customer. <laughs> so this idea that your early adopters, early adopters always expect things to be a little bit bumpy, a little unpolished, a little bit less than perfect, and that's okay. They love trying out new things, either because they love you or because they're a little bit more uh, or a little less risk averse well, than the average they, you, person. You've solved the problem that they need, like whether or not it's a, you know an Excel formula that you're using. They're like, yeah. I don't care if this looks like garbage. So they it can derive the, the value from your product early mm -hmm. on. However, the person that you end up working with eventually, your end customer, your hashtag ride or die customer, oh, it's going to be a thing. It's not is not who you start out with. Your mom doesn't count as your first customer. The people that love you do not count as first customers. And so really important that you continue to build this, again, as we hit on that 10, 50, 100, 100 person sale mark, is that you continue to build this for the end user in mind. Who's gonna be using it is gonna evolve. Mm -hmm. uh, and so just keep that in mind, is that what happens is you get all your friends and family to, to use your product, and eventually that dries up that's where things get difficult and that's really where this system comes into play. This is reaching out to people who have no idea who you are, mm -hmm. they didn't change your diaper as a baby and because of that, they're not so endeared to you, which it's tough, I know, mm -hmm. um, but this is really important. Good. Now, onto the KPIs. How do we track this? What are the what are the measurement tools that we're gonna use to make sure that what we're doing is actually for the better? So when you Google this, you're gonna get hit with about a billion sales KPIs. Yeah. So what Adam and I have done is we're gonna really distill this down into a handful of them that we think that you're gonna wanna use uh, in the process, in the very, very early stages. There's a ton that you use obviously in the later stages, but in the very early stages, here are some really simple ones. And then we're gonna give you two that are a little bit heavier. So yeah, for, sure. um, for starters, monthly sales growth. Just track how many sales you're making month over month. Super is this basic. getting strong? Very, yeah. very basic. Are you making more than you did last month? Why? It's just going to allow you to really understand uh, what months are better to sell in, what yeah. some of the, the rates are, on just understanding whether or not you're getting better at what you're doing. And you can start deriving a lot of great data points from that too, yeah. in terms of what does my forecast look like? Yep. If I'm growing at what rate a month, what does that mean for me a year, two, three, mm -hmm. five down the way? Um, really important things to keep an eye on. The second is pipeline health. So something that we always really, really hammer home with our startups, especially in the early stages is if you're finding that you're quickly running out of prospects all the time, mm -hmm. that means you're not spending enough time developing uh, the front end of this sales process. So Absolutely. actually sitting down and spending the five, 10 hours a week mining leads, yep. right? Going out there, understanding who these people are and getting the actual data yep, sure. to put into your sales process and click play on it, right? Which I think goes back to your point of, making sure that you split this time up. The time that you spend finding those leads and the time that you spend making sure that you're going after them, you're having those touch points should be really separate because it gives you enough space to do this. Yeah, definitely. But on top of that too, if you've mapped out your deal flow the way we've talked about today, what you're going to actually understand is where is it breaking in the pipeline, right? Exactly. So where, what parts of my content aren't very good? What parts are we bad at moving people from, from process to process? So number three is your monthly sales bookings. Again, mm -hmm. this is just a really healthy uh, metric for how long is it going to take us to get through this? Yep. Do we have the revenue coming in that we think we do? Um, just how good are we getting at booking sales over time, whether yeah. that's through demos or just cold reach? Yeah. Yeah. Are we converting the people that we're bringing into our pipeline? Are they finding the value? Is it the right type of person? Um, and how long that's taking is a good thing to sort of derive from this sort of number. 
Yeah. So uh, the next one is your average profit margin. The reason we always recommend early stage startups do this is just to understand, are you making any money? Like yeah. just because you have a sale doesn't mean you've made money. Just and try to have an idea of that. Hot tip. You're probably not. That's okay. You probably won't yeah. make money for for at least a couple of years. And that's the statistics of it anyways. However, you want to make sure that your cost is, is reasonable, right? You're not burning through your money at an insane rate. Um, and also you want to have a really clear understanding of what your runway is. How long do you have to do this before you really need to make some cash? And so this is such an important piece to that. Um, and then uh, the final simple one we want to go over is uh, your average conversion time. So how long from the first time you've heard about me to you signing up does it actually take? Mm. This is an important one for later on when you're going to go hire somebody or when you're trying to ramp up your, your sales spend. You just want to have an understanding of if I spend this much money, is it going to accelerate the time to close? Absolutely. So Adam, bring this all home to us. Give us a real high level overview of, of everything that we sort of talked through today. Yeah. So in the early part of the pod, so in the first half of it, we went through how you can actually define your customer segment and get product market fit. You can define that in your company, your buyer, and your user. These are the folks that you're going to be going, uh, going to be actually going through to sell to. Mm -hmm. You you can define the user into their demographics, their geography, their psycho the psychology of who they are. But really what you want to look for specifically with the users is the frequency that they actually encounter your problem uh, or your, that your solution aims to solve, the density, so how much time and effort they spend inside of this problem, and the friction, so the level of pain that this problem actually causes them. As we went into the alchemy portion of this, we went through creating your early stage sales process, those seven steps, the defining the user journey, deep dive into where people live online and offline, signing up for a CRM, overlaying your message and potential touch points into a simple deal flow, creating the content for each touch point, prospecting your first batch of leads, and then iterating after you get your first 50th and 100 sale. And finally, we just touched on some really strong key performance indicators or KPIs that you're going to be looking for as you go through in your early startup sales process. This podcast was packed with important oh tools and The tips. toolbox is going to be overflowing. Oh my gosh, we're going to need a bigger one for sure. Absolutely. So That's a, that's a thank you. <laughs> Thank you to everybody for uh, for listening so far. The pod's been a lot of fun to record. And a big shout out again to John Mark. Incredible producer. He just deals with us every time we come and do this. And oh. he's done some wonder, wonderful things. The updated sound quality, all due it's to this guy. Him. He's and done it all. From his face, we can't tell if he loves us or we can't have stand no, us. We have it's no not, idea. We're not really sure. He it's usually can't stand. But he keeps doing bad. it anyway. So yeah, for sure. thanks for coming along. Talk to you soon. See you soon.